Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, thank you for joining us. My name is Tim. I'm a library assistant at the Litchfield Park Public Library. And my name is Glenn, and I'm a librarian here at the same library. Today we'll be talking about shoujo manga. So Glenn, what exactly is shoujo manga? So shoujo manga, and I'm going to assume you haven't tuned into any of our other manga podcasts here, so we'll give you kind of a brief overview. Manga being Japanese-style comics, read right to left. Um, shoujo manga specifically refers to um, manga that's targeted at younger girls. So we're thinking age range roughly 12 to 18. Um, and that's not to say that you can't enjoy that outside of that um, spectrum, or if you're not a girl, you're also certainly welcome to enjoy it. Tim and I read several of these, and uh, I think we thoroughly enjoyed them, and we're both men, so. Yes, and I would say that at least one of them has stood the test of time to the point where it's like a quintessential reading experience. <laughs> Absolutely, and so shoujo manga kind of encompasses a few, like, broad themes, um, much like any of these manga categories, it's kind of really hard to pin them down because they can encompass so many different genres, but shoujo typically um, includes elements of romance, female protagonists, and um, some sort of sense of a sort of adventure or quest, not necessarily fantasy-based, but like becoming uh, the best that you can be at something. And it is sort of the female counterpart to another uh, topic we did, which was shonen manga, uh, which is pretty much the same, but targeted at boys. And as you'll see in this podcast, um, they can be almost identical with the exception being a female protagonist. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, true. And I think leads us right into our first topic, which is Yona of the Dawn. So Yona of the Dawn, um, it's epic fantasy, in its very definition, it's epic fantasy. Um, it's a little light on the magic side. Um, there's no like hardcore like wizards in there, for example. Um, so probably maybe middle grade magic because you have people who have dragon powers in it. Um, but Yona of the Dawn follows the titular main character, Yona, um, and this will include some light spoilers for the first volume here. Um, she is ousted from her palace. She's the, the princess in this palace and there's a, a brutal coup and um, she manages to escape in the night and the, the whole thing is her quest and her journey to try to kind of figure out who she is now that she's not in the palace anymore and decide what she wants to do if she wants to lead a counter-revolution. And I would say Yona for the first couple chapters of the, uh, the first volume is a stereotypical like spoiled princess yeah uh, and that's really what it was going for also I think, right i think it's too difficult to say and the book becomes about her personal growth and her journey beyond that uh, i would say this is probably one of the closest to shonen uh, because it's very much a hero's journey um, and like we said many many shoujo manga are basically just shonen uh, and there there's a lot of overlap between them yeah so like as she's kind of journeying around she's making these friendships with these um, bodyguards that she's you know acquiring to help her with her goals and so like these are the friends that she has and her power herself isn't really anything spectacular it's just that she's able to lead this group of 
mercenaries, if you will, um, to that they follow her commands and she's sort of able to have the power of friendship on her side. Yeah. And I would say that this is a very good manga too. It's it's very well done. It's it's nothing groundbreaking, but then again, there's nothing necessarily groundbreaking about something like Black Clover, but it's also very well done. And one of my favorite things in it is is the character development. Like Tim was yeah. saying at the start, like she's She's the spoiled, useless princess. She wouldn't know how to start a fire in the wild by herself. But even just a few volumes in, she's really starting to to learn how to do that and really become her own character. Yeah, and I I would say that there's a lot about this manga that appeals to people who want to see a, a good hero journey and who want to see somebody who's not necessarily would be a hero in most stories or if they are their journey wouldn't be presented like this yeah and there's a lot of really good like mystery sort of magic elements that go on in the background like you know who are the the mystical dragon guardians and why do they have their powers so what is she ultimately going to decide to do does she want her kingdom back or is she just gonna adventure around in the wild helping the people she can it's things like that also a big portion of the story is her not only learning to defend herself, but her learning to, um, that sometimes it's all right to go on the attack. Right. And that there are good reasons for that. Yes. (laughs) There's not necessarily like just black and white. Sometimes there's shades of gray and that's something she, she learns in her journey also. Yeah. She gets to come to full realization that the world is, um, is a pretty brutal place. Yes. And then there's a lot of bad people in it. Yes. And there's a lot of just, like Tim was saying, just great people in it. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that this is, this is a very, very solid uh, entry for somebody who wants to get into reading shoujo. Yeah. And wants to experience something that's got quite a few volumes and wants a long-term read. Yeah, I would, absolutely. Yeah, I would say that's a fair one. Definitely a top pick for me as well. Just for general like fantasy stories, this one is top notch. Yeah, it's it's very well done. As Glenn was saying, it is like mid to low fantasy, and if you read the first two volumes, you would be excused from thinking there may not be any fantasy at all to it. That's true. Uh, because there, the real fantastical elements don't even start appearing until volume three. Um, so that brings us to our second topic for the day. And we're going to get into one that's, um, that's very different from what we just talked about. So this is a historical fiction manga, and it's called The Rose of Versailles. Yeah. Tim, would you like to tell us about The Rose of Versailles? If, you, if you're familiar with history, you probably already know what this is about. Yes. So The Rose of Versailles is a historical um, shoujo manga about... Marie Antoinette and her arrival and rise at the the French court and eventually the the ending of that story which if you know anything about history is not pleasant <laughs> no unfortunate ending there and there are side characters that are entirely fictional that are somewhat based in history um, but are more completely their own creation. And the main one of those is 
Oscar de Jarges, royal guardsman. She's raised by her father to essentially be his heir as a, um, and raised as a man. And they, everyone acknowledges that uh, she is female, but she is treated just like another man. Okay. And it's, uh, it's an interesting uh, like wrinkle to the, the story where you get this point of view of a character who seems to completely fit in, but also never quite fits in. Yeah, that, that Oscar is such a fascinating character. Because you you're can you just like trying to picture French history with that character actually being there. And then it like it starts to make sense. You think of it, and then you're just like, wait, no, that would never happen. It's yeah. not, just, just not possible. Like, no one would have taught a woman swordsmanship in court at that, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, um, it does add a very interesting bent to the story because the story of Marie Antoinette on its own is also pretty fascinating but through Oscar and some other characters we get to see different facets of France at the time of Versailles. Yeah and it's really it's a great it's a really surprisingly accurate um, in parts not not entirely of course but um, a depiction of like French court life at the time and you get into some some moments where you you kind of have to go like go look stuff up. You're like, well, what's the real story here? And then you realize how close it is. Like, there's a scene in the first volume where she is um, wasting huge sums of money on these dresses, and you go look this up, and this is something that she did, like nearly like word for word from what you could probably imagine. Like, she's influenced by um, by people at the court who are like, hey, you got to go buy these super top of the line dresses because you, you got to be the, the fanciest and the best and the trendsetter and then she says you're right I do and, and so she's spending enormous sums of money at court and her convincing Louis the 16th that uh, he needs to allow some gambling and things like that yeah so this manga occupies a very interesting place in my my mind after having read some of it and because if you're familiar with the story this is a tragedy. Yeah, it truly is. Like it, this is, a, it, it's the death of the French monarchy. And as you're reading this, it's it's sort of depicted and written and mostly stylized like kind of a, a very like warm early '70s comedy comic book sort of manga style. And it's it's just very. Uh, very interesting in that regard. I think and, one of the most interesting depictions in it, and he's not actually in that much considering what the uh, the story is about, but Louis the Sixteenth himself is very. Uh, he's sort of presented as this, like at least in the the volumes we read, as this somewhat shy nerdy guy who just wants to go work on his locks and be left alone yeah <laughs> and there's some aspects of that that are that are true but there's also there's some other history there that isn't quite uh <laughs> quite as upfront in the manga right and then like some of those moments are they seem to be played for like slapstick humor yeah like his his um concubine it's like smacks him on the head like get out of the lock workshop and go do some kinging and it's just like ah ha ha we all laugh at that and it's like well okay yeah <laughs> that's interesting yeah and the way it presents court life though i think is probably its strongest attribute because 
the politics and behind the scenes things are, could very well be taken out of something like Game of Thrones. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's absolutely brutal, the games that are being played, like who's going to talk to who and when becomes essentially like a traditional manga fight Yeah, where you're waiting for somebody to like power up and do a new move and stuff, <laughs> but it's literally just court politics. And it's not presented in the same sense as a fight, but it's still a fight and those tropes are still there. Yeah, definitely. Very interesting. So definitely recommended this to someone who is a fan of French history or political intrigue. Or if if you want to see sort of the counterpoint to Yona when her in her spoiled princess phase, it's where Yona could have gone mm. uh, if she had like stayed a princess. That's true. Uh, Marie Antoinette goes and because we know it's going to be a tragedy it makes everything she does painted with this very like well this is leading there Uh, you shouldn't have done that yeah (laughs) yeah. (laughs) everything is building up to this very sad ending and it's sad for Pretty much everyone in the story. Yeah. And there there are moments of sort of like brutal violence. In the volumes we read, there's there's literally a woman, uh, Jejeune, who is, she's infiltrated high society, and she ends up burning down her patron's home. And when her patron comes to like rescue her, who she's, uh, calls her aunt, even though they're not related. Uh, she finds that Jean and her husband, who's a royal guardsman or will be, uh, are the ones who set the fire. And then they throw her off a balcony into the fire. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's it's a very brutal uh, story in places. Oh, and you realize that the, uh, talking about the nobility here, who just like run people down in the street with their carts, and they're just like, that's fine. They're yeah. just peasants. That's fine. They're just peasants. Yeah. It, you can clearly see where the story is going. And maybe the saddest part about it is that you can, you not only can imagine, you know that stuff like this happened. Yeah. Truly tragedy all over the place. Yeah. It's a very, very tragic historical fiction, but it's very, very good and very well done. Yeah. Extremely. It is one of the oldest ones, I think, on this. I think it was written in the 70s. Yes. So... Um, just something to be in mind of. Yes. And that brings us to our final topic, which is pretty much, I would say, the Ur example of uh, shoujo manga. Yeah, this is this is the quintessential shoujo manga. It's not only that, it's one of the most fangu- famous mangas, or just general stories of all of Japan, and that's Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. And Sailor Moon is the story of Usagi and she gets a talking cat named Luna who ends up uh, revealing that she's Sailor Moon and she she eventually finds the other Sailor Scouts and they fight the Queen of Darkness Beryl and her four heavenly kings. Yeah. And that's that's the primary story yeah (laughs) for the the first like three like deluxe volumes which we have here at the library 
that's the the primary impetus of the story. There are there is the the side story about Tuxedo Mask, and who he is and his relationship with Usagi. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's hard to go a whole lot into Sailor Moon if you've never experienced or read Sailor Moon uh, without spoiling too much. Yeah, there's there's some light spoilers that the surprise will be nice for you. So we'll try to leave those to the side. But I feel that you likely fall into a few camps here. One, you haven't seen or experienced Taylor Moon in any way, shape, or form. Just go read it. This is the best way to experience it. Um, two, you've watched the original anime. Um, that starts off very similar to the manga, but it deviates very heavily from the manga as you go. Um, it really draws some things out and just adds things that just weren't there and um, really kind of goes off the track from the manga. Not that the show is not great by itself, but um, the manga is very different than the original anime. And then there's Sailor Moon Crystal, which is a reboot of the anime to much more closely match the manga. Um, that only does the first two or three story arcs so far, maybe three, and they're working on the fourth um, the Stars arc is that it's a movie that's coming out in 2021, I think, in Japan. So, uh, so there's that. And then, if you've if you've watched that, then you should read this because then you'll be able to finish the story. Yeah, um, the manga is very. Uh, it's like I said, it's the example of shoujo manga, and so there is a lot of. Uh, romance, but there's also a lot of uh, transformation sequences. There's a lot of fights that are really interesting in their own way because yeah. they they follow like a sort of pattern early on where they get either a new team member or a new ability, and that's what's needed to win the day. Yeah. But then things start taking a much more serious turn, <laughs> and there's some stuff in there that like uh, Chibi Moon uh, pulling a gun on Sailor Moon at the end of one volume. Right. And there are there's a lot of uh, interesting things in the manga that I think if you've only ever watched the original anime would be worth checking out. Yeah, so Sailor Moon, it really just... It defined an entire genre, the magical girl genre, the transformations. Um, it's been done many times since then, but this is this was the first time this was done, and it was truly revolutionary for its time. And the story still holds up. It's still one of the best magical girl stories that you can read. Yes, uh, it's it's very much Usagi is kind of ditzy. There's nothing super special about her. Uh, but that's sort of what makes her special is the traditional like manga yeah. manga arc right there is that she's not special, so she's special. Right. And everyone else has defining character traits and her defining character trait is she's a little bit ditzy and a little uh, clumsy and late for things. Now, granted, later you learn some things that I think make that not true, considering yes. how unimaginably powerful she becomes later. Yes. But <laughs> at the start, that's yeah. certainly how it's set up. Yeah, and going into the character and growing with the character, that's what um, what we learn about her to begin with. And what a, like attracts people to the story is that 
Sailor Moon is just a normal person. And as Glenn said, that's that ends up being far, far from the truth. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of true about almost every manga. That is very yeah. true. You learn, you learn <laughs> things as you go. But yeah, it's strong, strong romance elements here. So we have um, Usagi and Momo who are, they just have a romance that we'll just say transcends time and space. Yeah. And that's really all we have to say about that. Um, yeah. The amazing story there. Um, and then we have um, really strong female friendships here. She has her group of um, her group of girlfriends, the other Sailor Scouts, mm-hmm. and they all have really great bonds and interactions with her and with each other. And um, so you can see a really nice, just great, strong team of female characters who constantly have to save the world. And what's really interesting about it is that some of them are like everyone has their own distinct personality and their own interests and that's never like they do occasionally get on each other's nerves but it's never something that drives them apart and I think that's a really good uh, sort of outlook for friendships and I, I think in general Sailor Moon we could talk about it for a while certainly uh, but in in the interest of avoiding giving too much of the story away, uh, we'll probably not go too much further into it. But I will say it is it is my favorite of the three. Absolutely, it's it's very well done. It's funny when it needs to be funny, and it's pretty pretty dramatic when it needs to be dramatic. Yeah, in terms of. Um... Just my all-time favorite mangas. Um, I'd probably put Sailor Moon in my top five. Um, yeah, it's that good. It's it's like Tim said. It's it's serious and action-packed when it needs to be, but it's also got good humor, good jokes, yeah, and very lighthearted at the time. So it just really hits hits all the main points, just the way you want it to. And it and it moves at a nice tight pace. Like yes, it doesn't feel like it's dragging or full of and nonsense. I will say all three of the manga that we talk about today are very quick they just they just punch through stories yeah (laughs) and even the rose of versailles by the end of the first deluxe volume you are like she's already queen she's already like yeah it's like three years the first volume covers like three years of her life exactly huge amount of time covered (laughs) yeah it's it really pushes forward too um so yeah uh, this was our discussion on shoujo manga. We discussed uh, Yona of the Dawn, The Rose of Versailles, and Sailor Moon, all of which can be found at the library district. And uh, I am Tim. And I am Glenn. And just so you know, um, we don't currently have any of these titles available on Overdrive. However, both Sailor Moon, the Eternal Editions, which are the super fancy, extra nice ones with all the cool footnotes and retranslated, and they're super great. Um, those are available physically, but they're also available on Overdrive if you um, put requests in for them. So if you go to Overdrive and you search for those, um, you have to expand the search to show things not in the collection. And then once you do that, you can recommend that as well as Yona of the Dawn. Those are both available to recommend. And then if enough people do that or if... Um, if their collection team sees some more interest in that, they'll add them to the digital collection. And they have been greatly expanding our manga digital collection and overdrive, so it's something that's certainly likely. And if you haven't checked out Glenn and I's previous two podcasts on manga, we did Shonen and we did uh, Sign-In. 
Yep, and then so look forward to us in the future because we're going to talk about Jose next, which is the one that's targeted at uh, older women, 18 to 45. Yeah, so thank you for joining us today and have a great day. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.